0: From the Trenches.
1: Welcome to Reality Check, a podcast for accountants, hosted by Shay Thayer and Rebecca Mahalik. In this podcast, we dive deep into important topics and moments worth celebrating in the accounting industry. This show is brought to you by From the Trenches, Real Life in Accounting.
0: Well, hello, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of Reality Check with Shay and Beck. And if it is your first time joining us, my name is Shay. I'm an FCA and I'm head of accounting at Intuit. And I am joined every single time we do this by my amazing partner in crime, Rebecca
1: Mahalik. Hi everybody. I am an accountant, I'm a CA, not quite an FCA yet. I think I applied or someone applied on my behalf recently. So if anyone's listening over there, feel
0: free to tick those boxes (laughs) and be my F. (laughs) We need an F coming your way, Beck. I'm sure <laughs> if I was a betting person, I would say that thing is going to happen. Amazing. So many things to talk about today, Beck. We've had a bit of progress. It's so nice when you put things out into the universe and some good things start to come back. I think that's one of the beautiful benefits of doing something like this. And I just want to throw a shout out to our listeners and say again, how grateful we are for you all. Listening to us, sometimes whinging, carrying on, but we appreciate you so much. And again, if you are new, maybe go back to episode one and just, I don't know, I certainly appreciate how much we're learning doing this, back. we are accountants, we are not podcasting experts and I find this fun and really enjoy the opportunity. So we're going to end today with a bit of Captain Obvious. I believe you also coined the phrase, no shit Sherlock, but I just can't help it. It's hilarious. There's so many amusing things and I think if we don't finish on a laugh sometimes it might be a cry. But you've got an awesome webinar coming out. Well it's not my webinar,
1: it's a webinar I'll be attending. Amazing. Actually that's pretty amazing because I don't attend a lot of webinars personally anymore because I host so many <laughs> webinars now and that whole process becomes really, really exhausting. But yesterday I got an email from C-A-N-Z and it's breaking points 101 for the trades webinar confirmation. Now, for those of you who are not new to us and have been listening to us for a few weeks, I have done a lot of whinging and ranting around two things that are quite important to me, which is the construction industry, because that's where the majority of my clients come from, but also then insolvency and cash flow issues that are occurring in that industry at a really alarming rate. And calling out a little bit the lack of education that is around our industry at the moment on how to spot these things, how to find out whether or not your clients are in trouble and how to help them. There was a lot of it at the beginning of COVID, but the last couple of years and it's scary to say that because COVID did start years ago now. There hasn't really been much, particularly in the last six months. So now we've got this webinar, which I was so excited about, which I'm never excited about webinars anymore. And it's all about how Simpro, their software, and yes, it is them selling their software 100%. But at least there's some education here. It's talking about how to get greater visibility over your client's stock, how to import data and customize schedule reports, which will give them a good lift on actually making sure they can get some work done. But then also understanding how. Is impacting their cash flow and their profitability. So, this is really exciting webinars that you can use technology to help that lift in helping your clients get through. And then hand in hand, they've also pushed out this using technology to combat labor shortages article in Acuity. I'm not going to go into huge amounts of detail on that, but if you have clients in the construction space or a trade client, and if you are even slightly interested in technology and love helping your clients, please go in and read that article. There is some great tips in there and you don't, and as much as Synchro is amazing, there are some other tools out there as well. If you are
0: not particularly wedded to one provider. That's awesome. A couple of episodes ago, or maybe it was last episode, I can't remember, we were just talking about the level of intensity of work at the moment. And what I'm noticing the more of our colleagues that I'm speaking to is actually there's definitely some firms that are coping better. And I was like, oh my gosh, what are you doing different? That's amazing. Tell me what's happening. And actually think um, there's of course differences in the way we operate and approach our clients and all of that, but at the type of clients that we have. So whether we specialize in a particular industry or whatever, what I'm seeing is where some of the obvious ones are around the hospital and retail and those kinds of clients that, are- under a bit of pressure, everyone wants to refinance and they want to refinance now and just spent the last few months making sure that we manage the data in the right way to make sure we're not paying too much tax. But now we want to maximize profit so we can get finance. And it's all very stressful. So I think what's really interesting is generally speaking, most of my accounting friends would have trades somewhere within their portfolio. And so there's opportunity to do better and help more. So that's awesome. And just to pile on, I know that We get stones in our my actual day job. You're, I can't even speak today. I was going to say a side hustle, but it's not. It's your legitimate second job. My goodness. Our work in tech, you know, we get stones about, we just put this content out to sell stuff. And yes, that's part of our role. I'm not going to pretend it's not, but to your point, at least- there's some learning getting out there, right? And especially this, yes, we're going to learn a lot about SimPro, but we'll probably learn some conceptual tips that can really help our clients. Anyway, I don't want to labour that point, but we were also discussing earlier about BLESS, and it's not the ATO necessarily this time, but around how delivery of these sort of regulatory changes and things ultimately falls to us as accountants to go and make it happen and we've got the same thing happening now with bloody director IDs. <laughs> director IDs. Yeah, this is a really interesting thing, isn't it?
1: I don't know who picked the date. It's super fun end of November day, but it's approaching. So we've got 5 weeks to get all the directors in the country signed up for director IDs and we've got articles out there and information that's coming to us, Accountants Daily's got stacks of them. If you want to know what's happening, if you don't already, I'm sure you do. We've got self-managed super fund directors, less than half of self-managed super fund directors in the country have actually applied for their director's ID. Dead people are supposed to be applying for director's IDs. If you're a resigned director, you have to apply. So all of these people need to get their director IDs in place. If you were a director in, I think it was November last year, that's the date that it applies. If you've died since then, too bad you need to get your director ID. Now these things are actually happening. I know it sounds completely ridiculous, but then on the flip side of this, it's like, just do it already. I did it. Yes, it's a pain, but you go on there, you put in your details, you hook it up to your MyGov account, you get your director ID. It's not like that difficult to any other directors out there just deciding not to do it. But the difficult part then again falls to the accountants because ASIC has not got really any direct communication with people. We are the people who are the safe of that information. We manage corporate registers. We manage their annual like company statements and getting that information out to them. We make sure they pay their ASIC bills on time. So now we have to make sure they get their director IDs, which has been a really interesting process, at least in our office at, at Business Depot Sydney, and I feel so much for our administrator who's having to go through this. So some people are really lovely and they just sorted it out. But at the five-week deadline, we're left with the crazies who haven't done it yet or the people who just couldn't be bothered. And we've got that. And I've seen it in social media as well where we've got accountants who are disengaging clients because their conspiracy theory side won't let them sign up for a director ID because they think the government's going to track them, right? Well, yeah, of course they are.
0: That's why they're doing this. And is that the big headline reason or is it just I don't know about it or I'm sure there's five things or whatever, but is it actually that? Like this might be massively like naive of me and and certainly I'm not an expert in cybersecurity and I do not report to provide advice, blah, 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 blah. But if I can go a day where I don't have to rekey my details I'm pretty happy. So like if I like go into, I don't know, my gov or whatever and I update my, we've moved chaos, update my address on Medicare, I know it's going to update in Centrelink, Child Support and all that sort of stuff. That's a happy day for me. Is it literally just, it can't possibly just be that, oh, I don't want to get busted doing something bad. I don't believe that there's that many bad actors. Well, you would hope not, but this is one of the reasons why the director IDs don't exist.
1: It's going to be able to make it easier to track director activity because there are things that you can do to get around tracking director identities you know I've seen a lot of females actually do it funnily enough who will use a combination of their maiden and married names to be directors in companies so that they don't quite line up but that's probably the one really cool thing about being a female in Australia is you don't need to legally change your name when you get married but you can use
0: both so we can just roll around with these second identities and we're all good Ever thought of it that way. And the fact that my previous married name is Lodge, I <laughs> could not, the shame of working in tax and having the last name Lodge is just too much for me. <laughs> Great. No. But then we are getting
1: people who do have a good level of paranoia. And in the wake of, you know, the Optus data breach and a lot of other things that have gone on, there are people who are very nervous about doing this. But there's also this level of reality they have to come to, which is, the reality check, actually, which is they already have this information. They're just giving you an extra little number. You know, <laughs> well, they've got your tax file number, they have your date of birth. If they it's giving the giving ASIC just it's making their jobs a little bit easier. It's helping them lift that data and get it together without having to scour through and actually investigate people. It'll just be there. Because they can find you using these alternative names. It can happen. They just don't want to do it. I really like what you did there, Beck. Uh, yeah,
0: And okay. think, again, I'm not an expert at this stuff, but I feel like the low hanging fruit of being cyber safe is not worrying so much about ASIC or the ATO, but maybe just making sure that, you know, within your firm or within your business, you've got a decent amount of data security because likely that's where it's lacking, right? Like it's just the basic stuff, which we know so much about our clients and our firms. Is that your alarm? Good morning. That was my alarm. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> good morning. (laughs) Well, in the spirit of all things, Global Bookkeeping Week and International Accountants Day, which I believe fall within each other for a very good reason, I thought we would have a bit of a chat today about the love or the beef, depending on which camp you sit in, between accountants and bookkeepers, because I still continue to be floored by Just so many missed opportunities. I mean, you guys have taken an amazing opportunity to partner up with Lillette. What a -a crackerjack team. That is amazing. I haven't even got the words to continue to gush and carry on, but I have done it already in many forums.
1: Thank you to Content Snare for supporting this episode of Reality Check. Content Snare makes it easy for accountants to collect information and documents, use it for your client onboarding, Month end checklist or collating end of year tax documents. With all files in one place, your team can get back to work instead of chasing clients for missing documents and information. Sign up for Content Snare free trial today at www.contentsnare.com. To get 50% off for three months, use
0: promo code REALITY. Sign up today. But I sort of had this, and listeners will probably start to realize this about me when I sort of have this ongoing theme of as accountants, there's lots of things we could get out of our own way with, and this lands squarely in that bucket. But I also understand that everyone has their own experiences working either as a bookkeeper or as an accountant with the other one, and that there might be some trauma that's common, so we bring ourselves. But the very first live speaking gig that I did after COVID, not only was it terrifying, but I had a bit of a heckler, which really threw me I got the fear because I was like, goodness, I think I'm going to lose control of the room. And I was talking about tax workflow. I was talking about a whole bunch of stuff. And a gentleman in the audience reached, just basically shouted out. It was a small group, thank goodness. And said, yeah, but bookkeepers did horrible work and or something to that effect. And just basically slammed and slammed bookkeepers as a general you know, very, as a generalization. And I was very conscious that so we had many amazing bookies in the room and I thought, oh gosh, there's going to be a punch on here. So I tried to defuse that, but I was just trying to unpack what is standing in the way of us doing better. And I know, you know, my friend Amanda from ICB is going to be saying so many things, straight. but I don't think it has to be that hard. Clearly you guys have worked past it. And so I was trying to think, what is like the top five things standing in the way of accountants actually recognising, partnering with a bookkeeper or having bookkeeping within their firm that could actually amplify the scale of their business? I mean, you've moved past it.
1: Yeah, and I didn't always have this amazing relationship with bookkeepers and a lot of that was driven by the way that I worked when I first started my career and the interaction that I had, and we're talking to over 20 years ago now. So some of those earlier day interactions with bookkeepers and remembering this is probably during a time where there were a lot more unskilled bookkeepers. So this is before you needed to get your cert foreign bookkeeping and that qualification had this whole component to help them become bass agents, which has been a brilliant change in that industry and why we've been able to see this. Emergence over the last more than decade of really great bookkeepers out there and bookkeeping businesses, and to become something more serious than just a spouse knocking up some cash coding in NYB. Well, I don't even think you do cash coding in NYB. Was it spend money, receive money all the way back then? I'm trying to remember yeah. it was it? NYLB version 3.1 or whatever it was I used back in the day. Yeah, one of the bank
0: reconciliation. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, and we would do a bank reconciliation that would involve the bank account being out of balance by, you know, $1.4 million, even though you don't even have that much money in the first place. <laughs> but, but occur. And so if you think back then as well, as an accountant and junior accountant, I was probably, you know, at the fourth, at the cold face of that and the work would come in and it would be a disaster and that would be the only interaction that I would have with bookkeepers and then if I had to actually speak to them I still remember the first conversation I ever had with a bookkeeper all the way back then we'd noted some problems with Bass's lodged during the year when we we're doing the annual accounts we told them we wanted to revise the June bass this had happened a couple of times in a row and I said maybe it's just better that we do the June basses every year And she completely cracked it at me. And I was a kid back then and said that I was trying to steal her job. Oh, we don't want to do the basses. So this put a bit of a bad taste in my mouth. And it took until I'd really started my own business. I'd form relationships with great bookkeepers out there. Lillette Colleges number one on that list. But there's lots of other people out there in the industry and started to work with people who really knew what they were doing that I appreciated the value. And when you've got a great bookkeeper, the work that they do for their clients is so much better than what an accountant can do in so many ways. They don't cash code and we shouldn't be cash coding. If you think about substantiation rules, but more accountants than I'd like to admit to just
0: cash code the hell out of a file. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you just got to get it done at the end of the day. Oh my goodness. So what does like, (laughs) this is not intended to be a pump up, well, let's tires, (laughs) but You know, we love her. So that's also okay. What does someone like Lillette do fundamentally different that allows good partnering with the accounting team? And I say that deliberately because I see them as two functions of the firm that work together for the same mission, which is the client, right?
1: Yeah. So we worked with Lalette and we worked with other bookkeepers as well, even pre this merge. So specifically just talking about the all accounts portion though, it's around, it's like anything. So it's acknowledging the value that somebody brings through relationships. So when we worked on same similar clients and she'd referred some clients to us for tax and accounting work, the work, level of work and the standard of the information we would get from her and her team so that we could prepare accounts or do any other reporting is such an amazing, great, high quality. It comes with the work paper pack wrapped around it. Like it's really great. And it means that we can actually pump out very quickly, really good reports. And it also means that we can have conversations with somebody. So Lilat and her team around what's going on in that client and with that business. And they know the client intimately. And that really talks to the way that we at Business Depot want to work with our clients and how a lot of accounting firms are now working with their clients, where they want to get to know their client and they want to make sure that they know what's going on in their business. Well, guess what? The bookkeepers and the people processing the accounts on a day-to-day basis are an amazing door into understanding that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I was trying to think about, like, I had my own experience also and like many accountants, I've worked with amazing bookies. I've worked with client information that has been handled by either someone that is, you shouldn't be doing it in the first place. So to your point, might just be either the client themselves, oh my goodness, or, you know, someone within the business that's just picked that up as part of their admin job. Not really admin, it's definitely finance. And I was always thinking about like how, How can we structure this better? Even if you're not going to, if you don't want to have the function in your firm, how do you make it better? And I watched many, 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 many partners in firms that I've worked in have a complete inability to have a grown up conversation with another professional about scope and about, to your point, acknowledging the value that each function brings and I couldn't help but see no, such a missed opportunity because by simply, and it's not even about formalizing the referral, right? It's about acknowledging we work on the same clients together, right? We want the same outcomes. Let's just say that out loud. Amazing. High five each other. This is great. This is the start of a good thing. Okay, cool. This is your scope. This is my scope. Do we have any crossover there? Let's talk about that, how we'll deal with it. Let's talk about you know, what do you need to keep doing to keep your business running so we can keep working together and vice versa. And I couldn't I always struck and potentially, potentially it had something to do with the demographic of partners that I was observing. But there was such a level of arrogance. And as an accountant I always felt very squeamish about this about, well, actually I am an accountant and I know better. And I need you to do it my way. And of course, as we know, in many of these large firms, we have 52 partners that have 52 ways of doing things, which as, I don't know, basic sort of commercial theory would go, that restricts your ability to scale. (laughs) So I was always struck by that. And I don't know how we get past that. I think I certainly don't have a soul for that. But I love your point around making sure we're working with bookkeepers that are registered FAS agent, you know, that are certified. And I think a lot of this boils down to having an adult conversation. Like, we Don't we practice that with our clients? I mean, I don't want to get you on the scope train, but it's the same thing, is it not? Am I missing oh, that thing? Yeah.
1: And I think that maybe some of this angst in that bookkeeper accountant relationship as something a little bit overarching, it's absolutely scope. So once you get past this ridiculous reasoning on either side that either the accountant or the bookkeeper is doing bad work. And, maybe, and absolutely, there are people out there who do bad work in every single industry. So there's bad bookkeepers and bad accountants, but there's brilliant bookkeepers and amazing accountants out there as well. So then the thing that they they are fighting over is scope. And interestingly enough, I think advisory has got a lot to say in that space because bookkeepers and Lillette and her team and other bookkeepers we've worked with, so Nod Tofino um, at My Accounts and, you know, and some other out there in the industry, they do a really, really great advisory work with their clients. So they are pushing out not just a balance sheet and p but actually understanding what those things look like with life. Have picked up clients in the last couple of years who have worked with bookkeepers who are producing that they're leaning into the technology and producing these wonderful management reports that have got you know trends in them and ratios and just this cool stuff that we over here in the accounting industry keep saying we desperately want to do, we want to do it, we want to do it, and we will do it, but we don't necessarily do it for everybody, we do it for as many clients as we can or who are interested in. But I know as an industry, that's a bit of a gap. So if bookkeepers are going to fill it, then all power to them. And it's just managing that scope. And I think that there might be some difficulty when it comes down to that fight between if you've got a really great bookkeeper and a really great accountant, figuring out then who's going to do this work. Well, maybe you can do it together. Pre-merge, Lillette and I went to, we hadn't worked together for that long on that many clients. We went to meetings together and that made a huge difference because it was a team approach. And I think that that works really, really well. And there are so many clients out there. There is so much work. I don't know why we're fighting
0: if somebody else wants to take something on. Just do better with another client. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I've been challenged by that a lot. I remember opportunities previously in my career where we wanted to diversify the revenue of the firm. We saw many, many opportunities to complement just compliance based. Normal tax compliance services with the full suite of services from the firm, but the number one thing that stood in the way of doing that was not the quality of the service, not the need of the clients was certainly screaming out for it. It's that I want to be the boss. I want, I don't want to bring Olmay in to talk about his craft because I want the glory. I want to look good. I want to own the client. Do you know what, who cares? The firm owns the client. I don't know what rock you haven't crawled out from under, but you don't own the client. The client is owned by the firm and we're standing in the way of amazing outcomes just for, I'm going to say it because of our egos. So I love that. I think I was trying to visualize this and I've had since I come back from leave, but I feel like all of my brain has been working. It might not be evident in how clear I'm talking today, but I've been thinking in pictures and cartoons. So if I could draw, I would be absolutely deadly, I tell you. My whiteboards would be, you know, a lot more exciting than they are now with just lists and lists and lists of to-dos and data and all this annoying geeky stuff. But I see it as like this golden triangle, right? I know that I don't know, don't judge, but I see this golden triangle and if the client is always at the top of that, I think we shift the hierarchies and it helps us remove that ego and that power imbalance. And I love that, you know, you and Lalette are going to client meetings together. So you should both top of your craft. You both own the relationship equally, even though I just said that Venom owns it, but you know what I'm saying? You own those functions and you both bring amazing and different, diverse views to the table. And that's the best outcome for the client. It's amazing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And if you just take it even away from just the accountant and bookkeeper relationship, this thing applies to any professional relationships that you're having, whether a service is being offered to clients. Like we've got financial planning that runs out of our firm as well. So if I've got to see a client, where there's a financial planning opportunity or need, I'm not going to torture that because I won't, because I'm not licensed, but a financial planner, Simone, the financial planner who is the director in Sydney, she'll come with me and we'll do that work together or she will come into the client relationship at that point. And that's really, I find that really interesting because accountants where we might get in trouble for something, we back the hell off on financial planning as an industry because we know we might get in trouble, but we're still really keen to step all over somebody else's toes in other areas. And I think that we can just work on a nicer balance. And you might have relationships with bookkeepers where on certain clients, the scope is one way, but in another client's scope's another way. And there are different things that will drive that. There'll be expertise in different industries. There'll be the size of the client. There's capacity. There's so many different things. And it is, you're right, just adult, adult conversations.
0: Mm. I feel like we've landed on some tips here. I think the first tip is to leave your ego at the door and respect each other's craft and the value you can bring to the client. Put the client first. Even we, I think we all say that we do that, but do we really put the client before our ego and our need to be the superstar? I'm not convinced. I think there's an opportunity to do that better. Clear boundaries of scope. And I feel like this is the one that's always the biggest challenge, but to your point, if you start with a grown up conversation and you have regular, fluid grown up conversations, I feel like that doesn't become as difficult. I feel like we get good at having hard conversations and adult conversations and say, actually, we just need to swivel those boundaries a little bit or we need to just shift them this way a little bit and everything can continue to be amazing and we can all learn some things. What about systems and processes? So I think with the firms that I've worked with where bookkeeping is part of the firm, this is probably one of the most challenging ones. So from a smaller team perspective, there would absolutely be the inclination to focus on one way of delivering this. And that might mean we just specialize in one piece of tech, for example, or one tech stack or whatever that looks like, which makes perfect sense to me. You only have to train your team in one tool. It Ultimately, if you've got big dreams, could be limiting to your scale, depending on what industries you want to specialize in, but then integrating those systems and processes across the two teams. So as a bookkeeper, I might want to make sure that this is exactly the way that I want to finish my part of the scope, but the tax team need blah, work paper and blah, work paper and blah, work paper. Is that just about, again, nutting through the golden triangle? how we work and together for the outcomes. Absolutely. That's it. And different relationships, different clients will
1: mean different conversation and different set of rules. But that's like, we're all adults. We're all professionals mm-hmm. and let's just have the conversations and pick pe- the right way that we all want to work together. I
0: think it's ludicrous that there's still accounting and we're keeping beefs out there.
1: You want, right?
0: Yeah. Yep. And I'm going to continue to sort of have this as a, an agenda from my perspective, because the, again, it's not about It is, it's about missed opportunities. I see amazing opportunities for literally what do we exist for? We exist to help businesses be awesome so that our economy is great and families run better and we can live in a really nice, strong economy in Australia. I kind of butchered my purpose there, but I think that's we don't get out of bed because we like debits and credits or tax or D7A or whatever all of those taxi things are. It's about the impact that we can have on our client's lives. And I think if it just takes parking of ego to amplify that and to lean into that purpose. I think we're all feeling better about what we're doing, right? So that is enough on that. I will get feedback on hammering that point, but it is a big huge opportunity in my opinion, and in the spirit of Global Bookkeeping Week and International Accountants Day. I just wanted to throw that one out there. It's time for Captain Obvious, Beck. (laughs) I love this, man. I love we've added this, Captain Obvious, because it gives
1: me that opportunity to just bring out my snarky, sarcastic side a little bit more.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> what have you face palmed over this
1: week, Beck? Right? Two articles, but I'm just going to focus on one. They're both on sole traders and the impacts of economic difficulties on sole traders. But the headline of one in particular is "Sole traders cut back, super work longer hours." Now, this was yesterday an article yesterday in Daily*, and it is totally Captain Obvious because, of course, during economic difficulties, sole traders are suffering. Sole traders have suffered terribly in the last couple of years. There were, you know, even grants that they couldn't access at times because of the nature of their business. Sole traders have been this thing that have been attacked repeatedly by government agencies, by everybody. Nobody wants sole traders to exist. Anyone who thinks otherwise has got their head in the sand and it doesn't... Of course, like I don't even need to read most of this article, even though I did, but it's like, of course I did. They're working longer hours because everybody is working longer hours, but these guys need to pay for everything themselves. And so they'll absolutely be killing themselves. And if they need to cut corners, of course they're going to stop paying super because they're the only people who aren't required to pay super. That's why nobody in government, including especially the ATO, like sole traders, because there's no requirement for superannuation or workers' comp. So of course
0: they're not paying it. (laughs) Captain Obvious. (laughs) My Captain Obvious this week has come out of the UK. So the story goes that a senior partner, it's always a senior partner in a big firm, a big bore firm in the UK has got in a bit of trouble because he got drunk and he mouthed off. Have you ever heard of that happening, Beck? <laughs> Never. Who gets drunk amounts mouths up in our industry? Never. Oh my god. So this story- is partners. <laughs> Especially with my consequences. So the story goes that he was incredibly racist, sexist, all of it. So basically the most yeah, all the and disgraceful, never mind, completely in breach of all of the DNI policies and the way that this particular firm presents in market about being very open and diverse and moving needles around diverse representation and leadership and all that sort of stuff. But just as a human, like really bad values. I'm sorry, that's no good. And so the article goes on to say a bunch of these things, and then. It comes out that Mr. Mouthoff has a reputation for having not much of a filter. So it's not the fact that he's got drunk and mouthed off. He's just said stuff in the public sphere that he's said his entire career. So rather than upholding their very strong values that they put into the market and part of their employer brand and all of that sort of stuff, we're just going to accelerate his retirement. We're not gonna sack him. So this is Captain Obvious for me because of course we prioritize the reputation of a senior white man in accounting over everyone else's feelings, over the right thing to do, over strong values, over equitable everything, and not being race sexist and a bully. That's why it's Captain Obvious. Major. Yep. Yep. Because heaven
1: forbid if they actually called out terrible, terrible attitude and behavior for someone who's had a very long standing career and has been an outstanding member of the community for so many years and just had a one slip
0: up, apparently. What? One slip up. But imagine if we did that. Things might actually be different. Anyway, leaving that alone. <laughs> I think we're done, Beck. Yes, we are. Have a wonderful week. You too. And thank you everybody for
1: listening to us once again. We love having you here. Yes, absolutely. And we
0: love your feedback. Please keep it coming. I love your little DMs. They really do warm my heart. Honestly, this is a passion project, Beck and I. So those things mean a lot to us. Please look out for yourselves. Have a fantastic week and we will see you next time. Thank you again, listeners. Beck and I would love to hear from you. We'd love your ideas. We'd love your feedback on Everything, anything, we love all of it. I can be reached on Twitter, Shay underscore Thayer. So that's S-H-A-Y-E underscore Thayer, T-H-Y-E-R. And on LinkedIn, Shay Thayer.
1: And I can be reached on Twitter and LinkedIn, both at Rebecca Mahalik, R-E-B-E-C-C-A-M-I-H-A-L-I-C.
0: From the Trenches. <laughs>